All right. Well, good morning. I love the, uh, love the presence of the Lord in the room. It's so awesome. And I love all the shouting back. Man, we need some of this on Sunday morning, guys. So y'all can't be quiet. It's awesome. We need more of this. I love it. So feel free to scream and shout and speak in tongues and whatever you want to do. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's good. It's good to be with you. Very masculine event this morning. And uh, love that. A lot of fun. Uh, John Mack and I, high school pastor, we were driving in yesterday, and as we passed uh, through Winter Park, we passed through Dino's Bistro, which is sports bar and grill, and I remembered a few years ago, I came up here, um, and I snuck out for a little bit with my brother Dan. We went down to watch OU Texas. I know it's a confession. I just lost pastor points. Maybe I gained some with Brady. I don't know, but I, uh, s- I snuck out and went to go watch OU Texas. By the way, go ahead and shout out your team. LSU gets way too much love. Shout out your team. Come on. There it is. All right. There it is. All right. Good, good, good. That was, that was our moment for the rest of us. All right. And uh, so anyway, so we're, we're, we went down to watch the, the OU Texas game and we're sitting there watching on a, a big screen and there's a guy sitting in front of us wearing Texas gear, Longhorn gear, just like you are. And uh, he's a pretty big guy. And uh, so we're watching it, and the Sooners are just dominating them. And that's where I I went to school there my sophomore year. I'm from Oklahoma, so I got Sooner Sooner blood in me. And so there it is. Come on, bring it on. And uh, man, we're getting even even amens for the Sooners. Anyway, and uh, this is a vibrant community of faith. And so anyway, uh, (laughs) so anyway, uh, so we're watching watching it, and Sooners are just, I mean, beating Texas bad. So I kind of you know, just start taunting him a little bit and just start kind of like, what's up now? You know, giving him something, boomer, you know, get it doing something. And this guy just completely ignores me. I mean, won't even look at me, won't even acknowledge me. So by the second quarter, I'm bringing it up a little bit. And, and my brother, Dan, he's like, David, come on, calm down. Just, just, you know, chill out, man. And I'm like, we're fine. We got two of us. There's one of him. You're a lot bigger than I am. You're five, seven, you know, so. <laughs> and, uh, so, anyway, so by the third quarter, this guy has not, I mean, I, he's sitting right here. We're sitting right behind him. He has not acknowledged me once. And so I'm getting frustrated. This lady walks in. It's obviously, obvious his girlfriend. And she sits down at the table with him and she's like, and I was like, oh man, I'm taunting a deaf guy. They can't see me. And so, uh, I just wanted to build up my man points before I preach at the men's conference. I want to talk a little bit about our families this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter six. We're going to talk about the battle uh, to fight for our families that each one of us wage war over as we're committed to our children, our marriages. So I'll read out of Deuteronomy if you have your Bibles. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for these men. I thank you for their love for you. I thank you that these men are willing to come out on a weekend and take a few days to seek you. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would really help us be different as we leave here, God. We pray that this would not be just uh, an emotional high. We do ask, Lord God, that we would be disciples, that we would be disciples of Jesus, leaders in our home. I pray for your strength and your grace to be on them, God. Father, we need you. We can, we can commit to things all we want, but even as we just prayed for the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need supernatural help. 
We live in a culture that is invading our families and after our families. And we need supernatural strength. We need supernatural revelation. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us today. God, we ask that you would empower us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to just read out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is known as the Shema. It's very uh, popular. It's the big uh, moment where Yahweh speaks to Hebrew people. And of course, we all know that Jesus quoted this uh, in Matthew chapter 22 as the first commandment. But he's quoting Deuteronomy 6. And uh, it says this, Hear, O Israel, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So he says it to them. They need to be on your hearts. And then let's go into verse seven. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your heads and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so here, this big idea, this was obviously uh, what Yahweh speaks to Israel. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus calls this the first commandment. We're all familiar with the story where they come to trap him. The Pharisees come, the Sadducees come, the teachers in the law in Matthew 22. And they're trying to trap him or trick him into saying, tell us what's the greatest commandment. And Jesus responds, not by speaking of one of Moses's laws or the 10 commandments or the Mosaic laws, but he responds with this, the Shema. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so when I read this, when I read Deuteronomy here, I want us to look at, as I was reading it, I was thinking about the labor, the work that is inherent in reading the Shema. When you read this, when you read these verses, this is a lot of work. First, he says, these commandments that I give you today, be on your hearts. So as an individual, as the leader in your home, as a father, they need to be on our hearts and then impress them on your children. And then he goes on to give ways to impress them on your children. Talk about them. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Today, we don't necessarily walk along the road. We mostly drive in our cars, but the idea, the language here is in whatever you do, it's not necessarily the specific of, you know, in these exact moments, this is how you do it. The the concept is over and over again, impress it on your children. Impress what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. We are a family Who we are, put your last name in there. This is what the Smiths or the Johnsons or the Perkins or the Boyds or the McCarrolls, this is who we are. This is what we do as a family. We love the Lord our God with all our heart and we impress it on our children. I think we live in a culture where it's easy for that idea to be kind of cute religious, kind of, oh yeah, we're church people. And so it's just kind of back back seat. But the idea here is this is it's Yahweh saying, make this a big deal in your family. Talk about it. And that's that's hard in our culture to have a conversation. Let's talk about loving God. Let's talk about who God is. Let's talk about who we are as followers of God when we walk along the road or when we're driving in our cars or after dinner as we're sitting at the table and we're having a family meeting and having a discussion about who we are or whatever it is, you know, as we do breakfast with our children, whatever is the thing, but we, we make that a big piece. I think a lot of times in our culture, it's easy for the first commandment that Jesus called to be first for it to be second place or third place. And so as the fathers of our homes, we wanna make the first commandment first place. This is the number one thing. This is who we are. We love God. We're a people, we're a tribe, we're a family, and we're committed 
more than anything else to loving God. And there's a real battle. There's a real battle for our children. There's a battle not only for our hearts as fathers, as husbands, but there's a, the, this, the enemies after our children as well. Enemies after our marriage. And so when I read this, I think labor. I think intentionality. When I read Deuteronomy 6, I think that it, there's a responsibility that's on us as fathers, as husbands to fight for our families and it's work. And that's the big idea I wanna get at. It's work. There's no secret ingredient. When Brady says, hey, David, will you talk about you know, battling for our families? I'm looking at it and I'm going, there's really no secret riddle rhyme trick. You know what I mean? There's no shortcuts. It's just straight like an ox pulling a load for decades, like a lot of work. And so I, I just wanna be real about that. As we look at leading our families, we need God's help. We need supernatural strength, but it's work. It's labor. And so there's a few ways that I wanna talk on this morning about how to labor for our families, how to battle for our families. The first one is this, make disciples of our children. We, we need to make disciples and even think of it in terms of the Great Commission. Many times when we think of our children, we think, okay, it's our offspring. It's just, it's our families. And we think, you know, that way. But what if we even begin to think in the way that Jesus lived out with his disciples, gave the Great Commission, and Jesus gave each one of us a responsibility to make disciples, bar none, all of us. So we've said yes to Jesus. We've said, fill us with the Holy Spirit. And then great commission is a part of our lives. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Okay, great. And so we think mostly of the great commission as maybe the place where we work, the business environment, possibly overseas missions. But first and foremost, God's given you in your house, if you've got children, God's given you young disciples, right? I mean, those are, those are straight from God. So that's the starting place. That's not kind of just cute, nice, but that's actually where we start. We start with even thinking through that lens of I wanna make disciples of my kids. And so we can look at the life of Jesus, look at even what he did with his disciples, how Jesus made disciples and then told them to go make disciples, how Jesus, how, what did he do? And we can even look at some of the ways that Jesus made disciples of his own disciples. And then we can look at our own kids and go, I'm gonna start here. I've got four kids. My kids right now are two, five, six, and eight. And so it looks one way for me right now. It's gonna look a little bit different in five years and a little bit more different five years after that. And as I get older, but my aim right now, I'm looking at them as I wanna implement some of the strategies that I see in the life of Jesus that we read in the gospels. I wanna do some of those things that I see Jesus doing with Peter and James and John. I wanna do some of those things with my kids right now and look at my kids, even as I'm a Christ follower, I'm a, I, I am a disciple and Jesus has called me to be a disciple maker. So I'm gonna start with my kids. I, and so I wanna kind of look at, fighting for our families through that lens of taking what Jesus did and, and doing that with our kids. So I think we see Jesus spending time with his disciples. Obviously we've got, they've got, there's moments where it's the upper room, Jesus is about to embrace the cross and Jesus is filled with love for them. And he makes statements like uh, John 15, nine as the father has loved me. So have I loved you. And he's telling them that he loves them and he's, uh, and he's giving lots of teaching, but we also see him walking along the road, walking from town to town. We see Jesus kind of conversing with them when they, similar to brothers, 
and are fighting over who's gonna be the greatest. James and John, they are brothers. They're fighting who's gonna be the greatest as Jesus is going, calm down, boys. Then they bring their mother along and he's like, oh man, these Jewish women are strong. You know, like, and there's wrestling, but Jesus is, is, is talking with them, walking along the road, spending time with them, talking to them, connecting with them. And so it doesn't have to be kind of hard Bible, just that's a really easy thing. And you, don't have, and you can figure out in your family, how, what does that look like for you? How can you be intentional about spending time? Sometimes it's spiritual conversation like Jesus in the upper room. Sometimes it's hanging out. Sometimes it's fixing problems, but just focused time, focused on your kids, spending time with them. Brady talks about how what he does, sorry if this is your sermon for tonight, but I'm, anyway, uh, you know, Brady talks about what he does. He takes his kids to breakfast and it's focused time. One-on-one time, every other week, looking at Callie, you know, talking to Abram and pulling out what's in their heart and talking to him and building relationship. And that's key piece. I mean, key strategy as you try to make disciples in your home. As we try to make disciples of our children, just spending time. Right now, my kids, I use lang- my, the language of my house right now is I've got dude time and princess dates. I've got them all the time. And so when I take my girls out, it's princess dates. When I go out with my son, it's dude time. And it's just investing relationally with my children. And right now, I'm not needing to draw from them a lot right now. I mean, right now, the, uh, they're little tiny kids, but I'm making deposits. We've all read the, the books about, you know, his needs, her needs, and how in our marriages, we need to make deposits you know, so that when it's time to make withdrawals, there's something in the love account to withdraw from. It's the same with our children. We're making deposits, especially in early days. You're making deposits all the time as you lead your children because there's all kinds of different authority. Obviously, we've got, um, you've, got, you've got authority just because you're smarter than your kids, right? There's, there's, there's just, well, yeah, for now, yeah. That's how it is right now. And that's kind of like, that's, that's, just, that's just rational authority. That's like, you know, and I've got that right now with my kids because they're little, but I'm not going to be able to pull on that forever, right? And the same thing is true with positional. I'm your dad. You live in my house. So I'm going to, this, this is the kind of authority. And that's kind of a, you know, that's kind of a way that we often tend to, to lean into. And there's nothing wrong with those. But as our kids get older and as my kids become teenagers, a lot of times I'm working with your teenagers. When they turn teenagers and college students, then positional authority and even rational authority doesn't work as well unless you have heavy relational authority. And if you've been making deposits, spending time with them, knowing, knowing what they're going through, walking with them, focus time, then you'll have relational authority when, when you need it. You have authority just because they know dad loves them. They know that dad cares about them. And so Whatever that looks like, of course, I gave some examples of what Brady's doing, what I'm doing, but do, do whatever's in your heart, but have a plan. It could be, but, but I'm talking about more than just kind of marinating, chillaxing at the house. Um, I'm talking about a focused, even oftentimes one-on-one where you're, where, you're, where you're really looking at them eyeball to eyeball and asking them about their lives and pulling out what's in their heart. And though it might feel kind of goofy and young, it's different in different ages, but we're investing in them. We're, 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 and when we're doing that, we as fathers, we're fighting for their hearts. That's what we're doing. And they're seeing in us, wow, dad has put this, I mean, who he is, is he's going after God. 
he's this idea, first commandment, love the Lord your God, that's in him. And we lead them back to that. We lead them back to not necessarily have to be the language of loving the Lord your God, but it's the language of this is who God is. This is what our family's about. And there's conversation about God, taking them back, asking motives, checking in on them so that they, they, you're steering their hearts, their minds, and f- helping them to fix their eyes on God, helping them to walk through life and fix their hearts, their minds on God. So, so it's a way of just leaning in, of leaning into uh, our kids. And I'm focusing quite a bit on kids this morning um, instead of marriages. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing really on us fighting for our families, fighting for our kids. And we've got uh, lots of different ages here. I think this is applicable. Uh, even if you have grown children, if you're not yet a dad, then this is just coaching for the future. But we start with this idea. We wanna make disciples of our kids. Another thing that I see Jesus doing is I see Jesus calling greatness out of his disciples. In other words, looking at them and speaking their destiny, speaking who they are. We see this with Jesus uh, when he does it with Peter, Matthew 16, 18. Where he looks at him, he says, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah or uh, John the Baptist, you know, but who do you say that I am? Well, I say, and Peter jumps up, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by men, but by my father. And he looks back at him and he tells him who he is. And I tell you that you are Peter on this rock. I'm gonna build my church. And he's speaking life. You're a leader, Peter. He's speaking into his heart. He's telling him, this is, this, is, this is how I see you, Peter. Of course, Peter, we all know Peter's gonna need that because Peter ends up denying that he knows Jesus three times to girls, all right? And so, and so <laughs> anyway, and so, uh, that was a bad jab, wasn't it? <laughs> that, that wasn't sexist, all right, but it kind of came out that way. To servant girls, all right. But anyway, and so, and so, and, and, and then, and then, and so, but, but he's speaking that. He's speaking, this is, this is how I see you. This is, this is, this is what you look like to me. And I've been leading prayer meetings here at New Life for the last, for a lot of years now. And one of the things that I feel like we as men need to do is get on our face before God, hear the Holy Spirit and what he says about our children and speak it prophetically. Know what God is saying over your sons and your daughters. It's very easy for you to think, oh, well, you know, speaking into existence, it's just kind of like positive thinking. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about positive thinking like, hey, tiger. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting before God and the way that Jesus would call out in his disciples who they are, us having supernatural revelation of what the Lord says about our kids and being prophets in our home and hearing, this is what the Lord is saying. This is who you are. And they need that, especially as they go through their teen years and college years, they need to know this is how God sees you. This is how I see you. This is who you are. Obviously we do that when we name them and when we're trying to lead them, but us communing, being men of prayer, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and over our kids and then pressing it on them and speaking like we see Jesus doing it. We see, I love, I love the story when the angel does it to Gideon, Judges 6, Gideon is hiding. The judge, and in Judges 6, the angel comes to him and says, but you, oh mighty warrior. <laughs> well, we all know Gideon's gonna become a mighty warrior, but in that moment, he's hiding in fear, right? And so what we do is we take what's from heaven. What, what is the Lord saying from heaven and speak it over our kids and, and begin to articulate it, begin to try to say it. And if you don't know, if, you, if nothing comes to mind, 
take Bible verses, just take straight up scripture and just pound it into them. I do that with my son. My son, Dawson, I just, I just call him man of God. And I'm speaking 1 Timothy 6, 11. But you, oh man of God, flee immorality. And for some reason in my heart, in the day and age where I'm working with your teenagers, I'm looking at that window of time, 20 to 22. And there's a thing in my heart where I know I wanna do everything I can to fight for my boy's purity. Because right now, like never before in history, we have a battle on our hands for purity. And so I'm just, so that's specific for me. I'm going, you old man of God, that's what Paul says to young Timothy. And he calls him that, he speaks that into, he speaks that into being, flee immorality, pursue righteousness. So I just, I'm trying to speak that over my son and speak it. My dad did this for me. My dad, uh, my dad did this, he, my parents were shocked when in 1976, they suddenly had triplets and fear crept into my father's heart. And, uh, but my dad then, uh, then had my brother five years later, but my dad began to take out his kids and spend time with them and speak destiny, speak life into them. And so I remember junior high, I was, uh, I, well, I was, I was four foot four in the seventh grade. Get your giggles out. Ah, okay, there it is. All right. I was four foot four in the seventh grade, but but as I got into seventh grade, I mean, re- rebellion was entering my mind. I was filled with, I went to a public school and um, my sisters, I was tri- a triplet and both my sisters were a head taller than I was. And I went, I, I mean, I went through a season of just hardship and kind of an identity crisis. And my dad though, uh, leaned into me during that time. I mean, and when I say leaned in, I mean, the things I'm talking about, focusing in, spending time with me, talking with me. And all, I would say uh, in my own journey, the, the things that have helped me, I, I discovered in the seventh and eighth grade uh, in terms of my identity in God, because it was in that season that all the years, because he had started spending time with us, focused time one-on-one when we were in first grade, that Man, by seventh grade, he had not only positional authority, not only rational authority, but massive relational authority. And so when he was speaking to me about making it through, not giving up, following Jesus in the midst of the hard times when I didn't have any friends, I, it, was, it was life to me. And I believed it and I bought into it. And so I, would, I, I was public school. We had just moved from rural Idaho to Oklahoma city. And I was not, you know, having friends and I hated going to school. And I remember my dad, he would, he would ask me near daily, not every day, but near daily. And he, how I was doing focus in and just lean in like that. And he started looking back at me and saying, David, don't give up. And he'd say this, this was his phrase. He'd say, you're a John Wesley, you're a John Wesley. And I was like, sweet. And I'd go back to my school. I'm a John Wesley, had a vision, how to reach my school for Jesus and that whole thing. Like six weeks later, after walking around the hallways going, I'm a John Wesley, I'm a John Wesley. On our Tuesday time, I was like, dad, who on earth is John Wesley? I got no idea. <laughs> I found out he was a five foot three preacher with a squeaky voice, but I began to kind of believe it, kind of go, okay, I, I, this is, the, and it's what my father's saying about me. And, and, and so I, I want to encourage us to take moments where we lean in, we call greatness out of our kids. And, and in doing so, as we lean in, just like Jesus did, um, it will, they'll, they'll be strengthened. I was uh, recently hanging out with a pastor who's uh, near 60. And, um, and we were just going to lunch together. 
And he, he started off the conversation by saying, David, uh, now I'm, I'm in my 30s, so I'm mid-30s. And he, he looks at me and goes, David, I've been praying for you. And I just sense, this is what I sense the Lord is saying about your life. That just, that just happened. And I just, I just melted. I just, something went off inside of me like, what? Like, you're, you're praying for me and this, and you got, this is what, and he's, you know, pulling out a Bible. I just sense and take, do with, do with it what you want to do. But I just sense this is one of the things that the Lord is saying about you. And so I, I, I mean, I'm saying it's not just something that happens for little kids. I think we can speak this. If you don't have kids, maybe if you have, um, your kids are grown and you want more, we've got a hundred DLA kids that are right at new life, 18 to 24. They would love a spiritual father. This guy who did this for me is like a spiritual father, just believing in me. And we've got, we've got lots and lots of students that if you'll, if you'll hear the voice of God, speak life into them, who knows the way that you're guarding them and protecting them. And so anyway, uh, anyway the last one is this, uh, the last one of point one. <laughs> Sorry, you got excited there. The last sub point of point one. All right. <laughs> anyway, all right. All right, I'm, I'm not talking fast because I'm nervous. I'm talking fast because I want to get as much as I can. All right, here we go. Okay, the last one was this. Jesus was committed to his disciples. He just straight up, he was committed to the 12 that he chose. And uh, we see Jesus. I love the story when I mentioned Peter earlier. I love the story when Peter failed. When Peter said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. And in John 21, Jesus, Sea of Tiberias, has conversation with him and says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied him. Three times Jesus speaks life and restoring him, helping him understand that he is a lover of God. And Peter doesn't give, and Jesus doesn't give up on Peter. He says, no, 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 no. I, I got a big project for you to do. It's called Pentecost, you know, Acts 2 revival. I, I need you, Peter, and I believe in you. And that's one of the big things as fathers is as we fight, sacrifice, Jesus had just died on the cross for Peter, for all of us, sacrifice for Peter and then believing in him. And as fathers, that's one of the best things that we can do is when our kids see an intentional sacrifice, the, the sacrificing of the game, the hobby, the hunting trip, whatever is the thing that they know you love and you sacrifice it intentionally to be with them or to invest in them and they see it, it's like a dagger of love that goes straight to their heart and they see it. It's not just dad's theories, but dad actually sacrificing something that he really cares about. And I, I, for me, this was powerful. When I was 16, uh, I was braces, mullet. I was dating a girl that was six inches taller than I was, which was sweet. And um, <laughs> she was actually seven or eight inches taller, but... Uh, <laughs> no, she's way taller than five seven. And so, uh, <laughs> with that, wait a minute, that would make me four eleven. <laughs> anyway, and so, um, and so I was I was dating this girl, and I was in. I mean, you know how it is, a junior, senior year of high school, everything is blown up, everything's emotional. Well, that's how I was. I had a, a mullet. I could reach back and grab my hair back here. That's how long it was. I had braces. Yeah, awkward. And so, it was Oklahoma. It worked. And so. Um, <laughs> Don't break my heart, my achy break. Anyway, so, uh, so I was out with my dad and we're, si- we're, we're sitting there at a restaurant. It's a, it's a Thursday night. Uh, sorry, it's a Tuesday night. We're sitting there and, and I'm just 
he had a two-hour window to hang out with me, and then he had a board meeting, which in our church, the board ran the church. They were the governing board, so very important. And, um, and my dad reported to the board. And, and so uh, we're sitting there, and I'm just a mess. I'm telling him about what's going on with me, and my emotions are running high, and I'm just, it's just, I'm a disaster. And, uh, and so powerful moment for me because my dad gets up. I've been like just two hours telling him what's going on with me. We'd go there. We'd both, you know, do the thing where you buy one Coke and he'd, we'd both buy, you know, two Cokes. That's all you get. You sit there for two hours, drive the waitress insane. Um, cause it's all you get sit there for two hours. That's what was happening. And so we're sitting there, we're talking and he gets up, he goes to the payphone. I know we don't even know what that is anymore, but he, he, he goes to the payphone and, uh, comes back and he says, okay, we've got the rest of the night. And I said, the rest of the night? He goes, I go, no, we're done. We've got to go to your board meeting. He goes, no, I just canceled the board meeting. And he goes, I got you. Go for it. And man, I was 16 years old, but man, I, I mean, it's still right there in my heart today because it was like, what? You know, like, you care that. And I mean, I remember it was like powerful. It was, I mean, and it, it sealed. I mean, it was like, man, he's with me. And so I bought in. I bought in. Like what today I mean, you look at, if I look at me and my, my two triplet sisters, my brother, all four of us, all four of us bought hook, line, and sinker into going strong after Jesus because we saw it in my mom and dad. And they sacrificed in a way that was visible, that we could see it. So it was, it's, it's alive. And so I'm not trying to... Um, I'm not trying to dignify, you know, my, my parents or, or gloat about my parents. I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about a way that worked. I'm just telling a testimony, you know. Um, I, I watched as my brother and my two sisters, we went through, um, through elementary, junior high, high school, college. All of us were full-time in, in ministry by age 20. And um, not, there was not, there, there, there was never any kind of rebellion. There was, no, there was no alcohol. There was zero drugs. There was, every one of us were virgins on our wedding night. It was just, and, it, and, that's, and I'm not gloating. I'm, not try, I'm just saying that there was a family, you know, parents that were intentional, that were focused, that took some of these ideas and were going after it. And so today, I mean, I mean guys that know my dad would laugh if they heard me teaching today because I'm just... I'm, I'm, I, I, these things are part of my testimony. And these are things that I'm doing with my kids. I'm doing stuff that I watch my dad do. And our family benefit. Today, you know, now there's triplets. And so uh, all three of us have had um, four kids each in five years. So there's 12 grandchildren under the age of five, which makes Chris, Christmas crazy. Um, so now Dawson's eight. So the youngest is like two or three, but, uh, but, but it's this, it's this legacy. Um, and we're, and if you go, and the reason I say that is because my, my, my sisters and their, and, and their, her, their spouses are trying to do some of these same things, these same ideas. And so number one is that is making disciples of our kids. Uh, number two, guard the hearts of our children. Guard the hearts of our kids. I love Proverbs 4, 23, where it says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. It's the wellspring. Your children's heart, your family's heart, you gotta guard your heart and, I, and, I, and guard their hearts. And one of the things I've noticed, and I'm not trying to be huffy and puffy about this, but just as a youth pastor and working in some form in youth ministry at New Life for the last 12 years, and I did five years before I came to New Life. So I've been in youth ministry working with teenagers um, for the last 17 years. 
And one of the things I'm amazed with when I look at homes is how little guarding of the home fathers do. One of the, I mean, if, you, if, we're, if we're the protectors and we're the, the warriors fighting for our kids, one of the key things of winning a battle is protect the base, protect home. And so I want to encourage us this morning, do whatever you can to protect them. And there's often kind of the response that goes, no, no, no. Well, they're going to face difficult things at school. They're going to face possibly uh, immorality or pornography or, or slander or cussing or uh, drunkenness or pick bitterness, pick whatever it is. They're going to face it out there. So we'll just be tolerant of allowing that to come through the media streams at home. And I go, are you crazy? No, 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 no. You're there to protect them. We've got, I mean, I'm doing everything I can to protect, to keep the stuff out. And you might not be able to stop them from hearing it in the school hallway, but you can protect them from hearing it in the home hallway. And, and these are formative years. These are formative times. There's a reason why we protect them. We fight, we guard their hearts at all costs. And there's a day that we send them out. There's a day. I mean, there's a day that Jesus sent out Peter, James, and John, but he pulled them in close right? He pulled the disciples in close, had lots of conversations, had some pretty decent sermons up on the Sermon on the Mount, taught them, prayed for them, loved them, cared for them. And we've got to protect. And I want to encourage all of us. I say, I'm saying it, I'm, everything I'm preaching today, I'm preaching to myself because I'm right in the thick of it with four kids. I mean, I'm, I, this, is, this is what I'm trying to live right now. But we, be intentional. Be very intentional about internet. Be intentional about movies. Be intentional. And, and, and be not only intentional about about them, but you. I'm blown away when young men tell me they, they, they're, they're watching movies with their dads that have nudity in them. I'm like, is your father following Jesus? Yeah. Come on. Are you serious? No way. No, no, no. no. We, we, gotta pro- we wanna protect our young sons. We gotta, pro- it's not okay. It's not okay for them to, if, if we're trying to impress something on their hearts, they got to see it in us. And so there's a, it's, a, it's a fight, brothers. I mean, we've got a massive war on our hands. What's going on with pornography is increasing so rapidly. The average age of young men seeing pornography is getting younger and younger. It used to be in my dad's generation that you had to go, uh, shamefully go down, get a brown paper bag, you know, walk into a 7-Eleven, put your head down, pay your five bucks and walk out to get pornography. Today, high school boys, high school boys and junior high boys can see it on each other's phones. We got a battle on our hands and it can't, it's, it's got to be, I saw dad fighting against this. Zero toleration. I love that in Revelation where it says, I, I have this against you. You tolerate Jezebel. We can't just wink at it. We can't just tolerate it. We got to fight. If we're going to fight for our sons and our daughters, hearts in air of purity, it's got to be alive in us in terms of our fight. But it's also got to be, and what are the restrictions? How does our house work? What are the things that we're doing in terms of uh, friends, internet, uh, guys and girls staying over super late? And you go, oh, David, now you're getting into legalism. No, 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 no. I'm not getting into legalism. Anything out, any kind of law based on love is not legalism, right? If there's not love, but there's rules, that's legalism. But if out of the overflow of love, I'm going, this is a law, this is a law, this is a law. That's not because I love legalism. It's because I love you. And because I'm going to fight for you and I'm protecting you. And so it, it, oftentimes we have, we have pulled back and tolerated 
a lot out of the banner of, well, my, the, the house that I grew up in was filled with legalism. I don't want my kids to have legalism. So I'm going to just be chill on things we can't be chill on. We can't sit back and chillax and have, have pornography. I mean, just your, just, I mean, all the, it's just unbelievable. We got, I'm telling you, I'm sorry, I'm getting excited about this, but we got to fight this thing. I'm dealing with your boys that are teenagers and they are, in, and if you are watching it and allowing it, you're opening up a door into your home. That's your castle. Put every guard you can around and fight it. Keep it out. We got to do everything we can to fight that. Anyway, that was a total bunny trail that I got off on there. I don't even know where that came from. That's not in my notes. But I'm just saying, I'm, I, I think what's coming out of me is, I, is just, I'm, I'm, I, and I know you guys know this, but every single one of us as men, we're all fighting it on our own. We're, we're, we've got, there's an onslaught on the enemy. You can't even drive across, you know, you can't, you can't drive down the freeway, let alone, you know, surfing channels. And, but I'm just, I just want us to renew our hearts again brothers looking at each other, all convicted on this, determined, not only are we going to fight sexual perversion in our own hearts, but for the sake of our sons and daughters, we've got a zero toleration mentality in our home. I mean, we, guess we just got to go there. And, and, and so anyway, okay, so let's, let's move on. Um, I'm almost done here. Um, let me just tell you this one story. And I, this, this is going to upset some of you, but I'm just going to tell it. Uh, I, I remember my, my, with, with, my, with my parents, they were very intentional about, okay, we're trying to walk as Jesus walked, do things that Jesus did. And I remember my senior year, my brother was um, junior high and we, it was family vacation and we get to Disneyland, you know, that's what, and I'm huge for Disneyland. I just need to say that I'm planning on taking my kids to Disneyland. Um, but we sat in the parking lot for two hours of the Disneyland parking lot. And it went down in our family history as the day we didn't go to Disneyland because we sat there for two hours. And my dad just, as we pulled in, my dad just said, Hey guys, this is going to cost, I don't remember how many hundreds of dollars. It's a lot more now, but where this is going to cost X amount of dollars. Do you think this is the best use of the money that God's given us? And of course, uh, yeah. (laughs) For two hours, we talked about it. We prayed about it and we decided let's, used the money for something else and we went to the beach. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of you that go, oh my goodness, what a horrible father. What a, what a sad home. We'd already been to Disneyland before, just for the record. Um, but it's gone down as a, as a, as a, as a mile marker, as a, as a, a stake went in the ground. You know, like, ugh. Was, and so we joke around, around about it today, you know, like, oh yeah, we're the family so committed, Jesus, you don't go to Disneyland, you know, kind of thing. Um, but, but I remember it as for me, it's like, it was, it was a moment. It was a, it was a moment where it was, where it was, it was, it was all of us as a family having conversations saying, okay, based upon family mission, does this fit? We've been here before. You guys have done this before. And we had my parents, I mean, they love to do fun things. They took great care of us. We had great, great. I didn't grow up in a legalistic home. I grew up in a home filled with love and fun, 
but it was, a, it was a moment. But I say that to say, it sounds a little drastic, but those are statements to our kids of our values. As far as, as, far as family mission, that leads me into number three. We gotta lead our children on mission. Lead our children on a mission. Our family, and so, and so you as the, the, the leader in your home, it's not, I just, we're just doing life together, hanging out. But as a family, we wanna get to the place where we can articulate, this is what our family's about. Maybe you just take it out of Deuteronomy 6, you know, and you go, we're about loving the Lord our God with all our heart. Great. But have language that's just your family language. As far, does this fit who we are? And have a mission statement. This is what we're about. When, uh, in 2008, Renata and I wrote our, our family motto and our kids you know, could quote it. And this is as a Perkins I will be. And it's just, and just, this is what, this is our core values. This is what we believe. This is who we are. So even as they're young, they're not, it's not, they're, they're lining up with, as we go through life, as far as a family, this is what my parents have said. This is, you know, who we're going to be as, as a Perkins family. And so teaching that to them and then teaching them how to have that be played out in real life. What does that look like? So Renata and my call, we wrote down in uh, 2000, we got married in May of 2000. Um, and we wrote down somewhere in 2001, we wrote down, we feel like our call is a generation in desperate pursuit of God. That's what we wrote down. And so that's played out in a lot of different ways over the last number of years, all right? But our kids were teaching that. This is what our family's about. A generation in desperate pursuit of God right now. That might change one day. The Lord might give us new ideas, might get new revelation. But as for now, that's what he said in 2001. That's what we're working on. So as a family, that's what your mission is. You're, you're coming along for the ride with us. And so trying to be intentional about bringing our kids into that family mission. So for example, like this past Wednesday night, I've got a daughter who's five and a daughter who's six. And both my daughters are at DSM, that's Desperation Student Ministries, Wednesday night, and they're passing out candy. Why? Because this is what we do. This is what our family does. This is what our family's about. But having some of those things, my son Dawson, he, right now he loves to make graphics on his iPad, or not his iPad, on my iPad, all right? And uh, we've got, all right, this app and this app alone, every app that he can use, he's got a, he, he requests it for me. And you know, that's it. That's the one that you can use. But right now he's got sketchbook on his app and he came to me and he said, hey dad. And he turned around the iPad. He goes, can you sell desperation t-shirts that look like this? And he showed me, and I hope this isn't being recorded. If it is, let's burn it. He showed me the, uh, a pretty, not very good picture. <laughs> and it said, it had a picture of Jesus on a chair, I didn't know it was Jesus. And it said, Jesus is real. And he said, I want to sell these at desperation. This is what our family does. And I was like, uh, this is backfiring on me, you know? But we did it. I called up Stefan and I was like, hey, I'm sending you an email. I want you to make t-shirts of this, of this t-shirt. Stefan emails me back. Are you serious? <laughs> but then made t-shirts of it. We sold t-shirts at Desperation Conference with a seven-year-old graphic, fluorescent green, said, Jesus is real. You have no idea it's Jesus. I don't know, it doesn't, but it's a statement to Dawson. Yeah, Doss, this is who we are. This is, all right, you're in, you're, this is what our families, this is how we serve. And it's just making a statement. Okay, buddy, brought him on stage, all right. And then, you know, then we sold out. Now he's confident. Now he's like, I, I want to redo the Desperation logo. I'm like, mm. uh. <laughs> <laughs> a little overkill there, buddy. And so um, I, was, I was just talking uh, to Augie. We were talking about their, one of their family life mission 
is to serve. So I'm not, it doesn't have to be full-time ministry, but one of their core value, values, the Mendozas, one of great family in our church, is just to serve. And so every year they go down and they serve a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, day, on Thanksgiving Day to make a statement. As for us, this is one of the core values of our church, so this is what we do. And we bring our children in, uh, along with us in ministry. Whatever it looks like, you know, if you're a business owner, what are the things? Maybe it's, maybe it's serving at the mill or maybe it's, you know, whatever. Maybe it's being a home sponsor, little plug, doot, doot. But, you know, like whatever it looks like, but there's some way that we, that we serve. Okay, last one and I'm done. Last one is this, and it's the obvious one, and it's what I want to go to in just a minute. We pray for our children. Straight up, old school, pray for our children. And it's the old one, but it's, it's the one that we need to do. It's the, it, a lot of times when we read Malachi 4, and we read the idea, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, the quickest way for your heart to be turned towards your children is to pray for them consistently on your face before God. That's why sometimes you'll meet another family and one dad looks at his son who's like not very bright, not a great athlete, doesn't seem impressive, but he's like, this kid's gonna do great things. He's a praying dad that just prays for his boy. And he, he, here's what happens. Philippians 1 says that I long for you with the, this is what Paul says to the church in Philippi. I long for you with the affections of Christ. And he says, and this is my prayer. Those two ideas go together. I long for you with the affections of Christ. How do you get that? How do you get where you long for them with the affections of Christ? You pray for them. On our faces, as we cry out to God, in the place of prayer, we start to gain God's heart for them. And we start to see them like God sees them. And God moves our heart toward them. We see them, not just how we see in the flesh and what we see that they're not achieving or what they are achieving based on you know, performance or whatever, but we start, to see, we start to gain God's heart, his love for them, what he believes about them, what he sees, what he sees for them. And it's in the place of prayer where you start to, I mean, God will soften your heart towards every single one of your sons and daughters. And so I think one of the best things that we could have if we have a legacy here at New Life of our men is that we pray. I mean, old school, we pray for our kids. And so I just want us to take a moment, Johnny, if you guys will come on and back up, let's just take a few a minute. And as our action item, as a ministry time for this morning, I just want us to conclude our time this morning by just taking a moment and praying for our children. If they're grown children, let's pray for them. If they're young children, let's pray for them. If you don't have children yet, let's, let's pray for your future children. But let's take a moment and let's just get it before God. I'd like to invite you just to stand with me. And I just want us to bow our heads and I'm not gonna make you kneel. I just want you to stand. But here's the thing I'm gonna invite you to do that's a little bit uncomfortable. I, I'd like to invite you, though, as we pray, I want you to pray out loud. And I know that's a little bit hard, but listen, Brady just had us speak in tongues and interpret it. So we can pray for our kids in English, all right? <laughs> Brady's already taken us to a whole nother level. You know what I'm saying? All right? So, so I think it's all right for us to take a moment and out loud to God, you and Jesus, let's take a minute. And I want you to pray for your sons and your daughters. Just pray for them by name. I mean, just, and obviously if you don't have kids yet, just pray, but I want you to pray out loud for your kids one day and that you would have a legacy, that you would leave a legacy, that you would lead your children. You could pray for yourself, pray for your future kids, but let's take a moment and just, just as music plays, not, not, not all in unison, like uh, saying the same prayer, but just between you and God right now, I wanna invite you, and here's why. When you pray, a lot of times when we kind of do, I'm gonna pray in my mind thing, our, our brain wanders. Our mind goes in different directions. But when you have to actually verbalize it, it forces your brain to think, all right? And to actually do it. So I wanna encourage us just to take a moment and we're gonna take a moment and pray out loud to God for our children. 
All right, ready, go. Go. 